Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And we've got like a bunch of pre-release stuff and all kinds of stuff to talk about today. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a random episode, so bear with us and we'll get through it. Yeah, Standard really hasn't shook itself out. Yeah, it's all over the place. So there's no reason to kind of go like a deep, too deep of a dive into that. Yep. So we're going to touch on a little bit of everything. This is going to be a cleanup episode. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we're going to clean up a whole bunch of stuff that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, so. As usual, uh, we want you to reach out to us. You mm-hmm. can find us on Twitter at Casual Tripod. Yep, on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, and you can email us at show at Casual Tryhard MTG dot com. Uh, make sure you guys do that. Get a hold of us. Uh, we really appreciate hearing from you guys, letting us know what kind of topics you want us to talk about. We really enjoyed going through the questions in last week's episode. That was a lot of fun for us. Hope you guys enjoyed that too. Whatever you guys want us to talk about, let us know. Whether it's more stuff on arena if you want us to go deeper on single cards like general gameplay strategy we had done a couple like deck techs if you guys want to hear more about that let us know if you want to hear more like personal stories good beats bad beats from tournaments um if you don't tell us what you want to hear about we're just going to talk about whatever we want and that may not appeal to you so please let us know yeah it's also uh super cool to just have people like interact with us so yeah i know personally i try and check the uh Casual tryhard Facebook like three, four times a day. So hopefully I can get back at you in a reasonable amount of time if you get us there. I know Brian spends a whole bunch of time on Twitter checking there. I do. Um, usually about twice a day I check the uh, show email. So Yeah, I check the show email less, but I'm just like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I should do that. Yeah. So, so get a hold of us. We appreciate it. So one thing that we did a while back, mm-hmm. we didn't do it this this time. Yeah, but we did. mainly because uh, we didn't get a whole lot of feedback about it. So yeah, we did. The, feedback's important. So we had the uh, the game where we tried to spec on cards from uh, War of the Spark. Yep. You're allowed to spend twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. and then we saw what the return was. Yep. We asked you guys to send us a picture of your cart. We had two entries that were not us. We're gonna go through. You want to go last to first? You want to go first to last? We can do last to first, I guess. All right. Uh, so last to first. Is uh, our friend Anthony unfortunately came in last place? Uh, he ordered one Domri, one Dreadhorde Invasion, and one Gideon. I believe I did these numbers Thursday uh, for a grand total of $14.24. So in the whole $11. Yep. Our friend Jacob came in third. Um, he ordered five Enter the God Eternals, nine D Spark, three Eternal Taskmaster, and four Finale of Revelation for a grand total on Thursday of $21.65. Negative $3.35. Yep. I came in third, or second. second. I ordered two Blast Zones, eight Tulsimir, that was a mistake, and uh, two Ugin for a grand total of $24.82. Minus $0.18. Yep. We're doing it. Yep. And the only person to come out plus is Brian. He's the winner. Woohoo! Uh, he ordered Enter the God Eternals, Bolasa Citadel, and Karn's Bastion for a total of $27.75. Yeah, we did. A plus $2. Good job, Brian. I'll be losing that in a, in, uh, in trade-in when I trade yeah. those in. Yeah. None of us are getting rich, but I guess uh, we will give the cool casual try-hard prize to Jacob next time we see him. Congratulations, Jacob. Should we tell him what he gets? No, let's surprise him. Okay. 
we do have to sign it first, though. Yeah. Make it official. Yeah. If you were bummed out that we didn't do it this time, mm-hmm. let us know and we can put it together again for, I'm going to call it, for Keldheim's release. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm playing a flag. Sure. Uh, Codename Archery, but yeah, there's a, a lot of signs that point to Keldheim. Yeah, we can do it for the next release if that's something you yeah. you want to do. I mean, I thought it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I was kind of hoping we'd get some more interaction out of it, but if it's something you guys want, let us know. So we're recording on Monday the, I should do this, the 8th? 8th, yep. So today was the Band and Restricted announcement. Yeah, couple couple big changes. Yeah, so to no one's surprise, uh, something got banned out of Hogak. Yep, uh, this was kind of a called shot. I think me, both you and me were on the same page with this yeah. one. If there- something was to go we kind of felt that it was going to be bridge and it was bridge there there are face uh, facebook messenger uh, threads showing that us fighting strongly to tell people it's going to be bridge and yep. not looting yep so yeah so bridge from below has been banned in modern yep the card uh doesn't do anything except be degenerate yep. that's literally the text on the card yeah yep sad times yep but i mean it wasn't played in dredge anymore like it wasn't right. played except for in Bridgevine decks. Bridgevine decks, yeah, weird decks. So uh, what do you think about, I know I don't have a whole lot of notes on this because I kind of just threw it up here, but what do you think about Hogak going forward? Do you think it's still a deck? Mm, Probably not, just because it wasn't a, it gives you another fast, cheap, big thing to play, Mm -hmm. but you lose the like turn two, turn three uh, just combo potential. Right. So now it's just like a big dumb creature deck yeah. attacking, and you get some cheap undercosted big dumb creatures, mm-hmm. but that's probably not good enough. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on how the Neoform deck shakes out because that's really the only other super fast combo kill deck, right? Yeah. Is Bridgevine with Hogak better or worse than Dredge? And it's probably worse than Dredge. Without Bridge? Without Bridge. Yeah. And so, like, if you're going to play an all-in graveyard deck, you're probably just going to play... Dredge. Dredge. Yep. So, the old Bridgevine decks before Hogak were mm-hmm. super inconsistent. Right. They had that one team Pro Tour in the sun. Yeah. But they, were, they weren't they were good enough to do their thing consistently. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Hogak and Carrion Feeder let them do their thing consistently now. Does the deck even want Carrion Feeder um, without Bridge, though? Probably not. Yeah, like I don't think you play carry on feeder or altar. So like you're back to the old deck. You're back now to the old Hogak. deck just with Hogak, yeah. And I think that you know on some level dredge with Hogak, where I kind of originally thought of putting Hogak. Yeah. Right. Like now you just have another thing to like you tap some prized amalgams when they're not good enough, and you get a Hogak. I don't even know if it's good in dredge though. It might not be. Yeah. I think that going forward, that deck just kind of goes away. Yeah, for the most part, I agree. I don't think that there's there's much there. It's just a Hogak Vine deck, and like yeah. you're getting rid of some of your small creatures with carrion feeders. Like there's no sack payoff anymore. Yeah, like those decks like lived on bridge. Yeah, so yeah, I don't think the deck is much of anything anymore. No, I think it just goes away, and everyone will be happy. Yep. What do we think that means for the format as a whole? I think it's going to let the rest of the Modern Horizon cards that were fairer, yeah, in in air quotes, yep, get played. So I think things like Season Pyromancer mm-hmm. and Renin Six, yep, and Unearth not being a fair card, but Unearth, right? You know, the decks that were trying to like Faithless Looting a Monastery Mentor, then Unearth it and cast a spell on turn two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, basically all the stuff that we were talking about in our Modern Horizons video that we thought was sweet but wasn't good enough kind of has a chance to shine now. Yeah. Now it's a question of 
in three months do they have to ban Neoform because right. none of this stuff gets to happen because you just get like, you know, smushed. I don't know. If, even with the London Mall, I don't know if Neoform is consistent enough to put up the numbers that like Bridge or Hogak Vine did. Yeah, I don't think it's good enough to do Hogak's. Well, they said it had like a 60... I think it was 66% win rate. In game one. Yeah. And then a 60% win rate overall. Yeah. I don't think you can put up anything like that. But, right. But if you have, you know, 8% of the format that kills you on turn two or three... Yeah. Then they're going to have to ban something out of it. Even right. if it's if it, if it does it half the time, that's yeah. too fast. Yep. But yeah, I think it's going to slow things down a little bit. I think humans will be a deck again. Mm-hmm. So it will, it will move things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, if if it now just becomes Neoform, then we're in the same position. Right. Where then just the second best degenerate combo deck yeah. is that good enough? Yep. But there might be less graveyard hate for a little while, so that's good. Yeah, good for people that rely on that kind of stuff for sure. Yeah, me, me, it's yep. good for me. <laughs> um, uh, so all of the leyline of the voids that you picked up over the weekend at pre-release, you should get rid of. I got rid of all three of mine for thirteen bucks a pop. Yeah, I got rid of mine also. Uh, for a couple reasons, like even before this banner restricted announcement, the cards printed at rare and a core set, people are going to open the poop out of this uh, this core set. So I imagine there's going to be a whole bunch of copies entering the market. So that price is going to tank. And now even like the modern players, like the home for that card, they don't need it as much. So if you got copies over the weekend, dump them. Yeah, it's probably time to get, get off of them. Because yep. I think our guess is, especially with this banning now, they might end up being like, five yeah dollars yeah i mean if they get down there i'll pick some up but yeah make the money now while you got them yeah like i got off mine for 13 if they go to five i get three for every one i got rid of like that's that's a fair deal yep it's money in the bank for later yeah and then um what is this word commander yeah yeah i know you're not a huge fan maybe one day i'll sit down and play a game with you but commander yeah uh, commander there was also a banner restricted announcement for commander not that it has a whole lot to do with casual tryhards but i figured i'd you know say something about it since we're here paradox engine and iona shield of amiria uh are both banned Sweet. I didn't read the whole article. I don't play a ton of Commander. Paradox Engine, I guess, was problematic. It was just degenerate. Like, the only thing it did was enable degenerate combos. Uh, and with Urza now, yeah. Urza and a Paradox Engine, you just... Play your whole deck. Yeah, you go infinite because you just, like, tap all the artifacts you have. Yeah. Activate Urza, untap, and you just go off. As soon as you get, like, Urza and a Paradox Engine, the game just ends. Yep. What I believe they did is Commander's supposed to be more of a casual format, so they like deck diversity, like, even more so than, like, the Splinter Twin ban was supposedly for deck diversity. Sure. But even more so in Commander. Like, if you're sitting down at a pod with the same three decks every single time you play, that's not fun. Like, part of the fun of Commander is seeing, like, weird, janky interactions that you don't see anywhere else. And if all you're doing is watching people go off with Urza and Paradox Engine, then it's not great for the format as a whole. Yeah. Um, So I can see that one getting banned. Iona, I really don't know why they banned that. Because of the card under it. Yeah, but you banned a card just so you could unban a card? I think that was from what I read on Twitter. That's the that's the the argument. That's probably is, the ar- is the argument. Right, that's really uh, I didn't re- I didn't read the article. I just read some Twitter stuff. Okay, because right, like if you slam a painter and name a color, uh, they unbanned painter servant also. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so the unbanned painter servant. So if you slam a painter and yeah. then play Iona, yeah, the game ends because right. no one can cast spells. Yeah, I mean, I guess is if you play Karn and then go get a Mycus and Flatus, right, the game ends. 
Right. If your card gets to live for a few turns. Right. Yeah, I think that's why. Well, you can't do that in Commander, though. Oh, there's no sideboard at all? There's no sideboard. I thought they had a sideboard to go for wish cards. No, it's Commander's weird because like it's a like a player defined format. So like a lot of the rules, there's a gray area in them because you can just like house rule it to whatever you want. Gotcha. So how they handle that is they say before you start your game, ask the play group what they think. And if it's okay with everybody, then you can have a you know sideboard for a wish board. But otherwise, no, Commander doesn't have a provision for a sideboard. I would hit my head off the microphone, uh, but I don't want to like hurt the equipment. Like that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, it's a casual format. Like it's not. It's not supposed to be competitive. It's supposed to be just for fun. But I don't know. You go to a GP and you like plop down like ten dollars to play in your commander pod, mm-hmm. and you have to be like, so I have two decks here. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to go like have a cyborg? And if they go like no, you're like, I guess I play my other deck. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, and I don't know, like, what do you really it. want to jam your Karn deck? And then you're like, nope, can't jam your Karn deck because like we have <laughs> rules and stuff here. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like it. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so the unbanned painter. Yep. Did they not get the memo that now you have like Entomb for painter servant <laughs> and for grindstone? I don't know. For, for one in a red? <laughs> like you just have that now? Yeah. I am in to build, uh, oh, what is his name? The uh, red black. Uh, I guess he's in a planeswalker. He can't be your commander. Grenzo? Grenzo. Oh, no, Grenzo's a creature. Grenzo's um, a creature. I was thinking uh, Doretti, Doretti, Iconic, yeah. iconic uh, yeah. Iconoclast or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so I can, like, entomb for my for my painter servant <laughs> and then, like, and just kill, grindstone yeah. everyone out of the game. Yeah, we well, go. one of the Doretti's I think you can play, just not the red-black one. I think the, the red one you can yeah, play. Yeah, the mono-red one, yeah. Yeah, but I need more entombs. <laughs> Got to play Oathbreaker. Yeah, we're going too deep. Yeah, way too deep. I played. I played. I haven't even done that yet. So. I played tiny leaders briefly, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that went away. One of these days, I'll talk you into building a commander deck. I have. I I randomly have one of all the elves because I played like an elf deck. Yeah, but like yeah, I had. I was like, oh, I have devoted druids. Oh no, I had one devoted druid, yeah. and then it went to like fifteen dollars. So I was like, wow, why do I only have one devoted druid? <laughs> Great. Commander has changed a little bit. Yep. Maybe. I don't really think like Iona saw a ton of play anyway. Yeah. And it was kind of awkward if you had a uh, like a monocolor commander and someone plopped an Iona down and then you just got to sit there for the rest of the game. Yeah. But Yeah, no, I can I can see that being unfun mm-hmm. and then just the combo with like Painter Servant, which is a totally like random card with random abilities. Yeah. I don't know why it exists. Yeah. Somebody thought it'd be fun. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Ian. Ian thinks it'll be fun. Pyroblast. Yeah. <laughs> Name blue Pyroblast. Okay, so we are fresh off of pre-release, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the format? Uh, I know we mainly played sealed. Yep. So how do you feel about the sealed format? Um, It feels like a corset. It does. Yep. It's a little bit simpler. Sealed in general is kind of grindy, kind of slow. This format felt slow. It felt particularly slow. Yeah. I was thinking, I think, like, guilds of Ravnica yeah. and Ravnica Allegiances were both pretty slow formats. Yeah. This, I think, is slower. Yeah. It just, it felt like nothing under, like, four mana mattered. Like, you could do whatever you wanted for the first couple turns of the game, and it didn't matter. Yeah. I, it, we, it has the problem of, for, like, an aggressive deck, right? There's a bunch of two twos for two. But there's also a ton of, like, random life gain. There's random life gain, but there's a bunch of one threes. Yeah. I'm thinking of the the one in the black uh, mm-hmm. 
guy and there's a a one two for one Mm -hmm. so there's a bunch of things with big butts there's netcaster spider which kind of handles the air which like there were pools that like were just blue white flyers pools that were like 15 flyers and you're like i can never beat this right yeah you can never beat a spider yeah but you can't ever beat a spider but if you don't have a spider you can never win oh yeah that too right i had some pools on arena where i'd like I was like blue black control and like play like moat piranhas. Yeah. And then they would go like island flyer, planes flyer. And I'm yep. like, oh, Scoop wow, it up. I, I mulliganed this hand. Yeah. <laughs> this is awful. But yeah, I think the format's really slow. I got to the point where I was just playing all almost all my fixing lands. Yeah. I played three to five colors in every pool. Yeah. I mean, you typically tend to do that anyway. I like do. when you lay a pool out, you just play all your best stuff and try to make the fix or lay out your fixing and then try to make everything else fit your fixing to some degree. So, yeah. but like I was playing pools where I was like, well, I have a pacifism and three white lands. Well, yeah. this pacifism is free. Yeah. So I'm going to play this pacifism and I have, you know, uh, a reduced to ash and two red duels. I can put a, I can, yeah, put a mountain in here and i'll have three sources and that's pretty much free and like would just build the pool that way yeah but they were they were super slow mm-hmm. i think my favorite card was golos yeah the card was great you had more fun with that than uh i don't know i don't know i, I did live i did i did have the hard lock uh in, yeah in the pool. yeah so um we'll come around back to that we'll come around in a second so so what do you think the draft format is going to be like? Um, I think you have one draft under your belt and I have zero. So you're the expert. I, re- I really don't know because it was super early in the format. I really don't know what the draft format's going to look like. I ended up drafting a monocolored deck, which I don't think you can normally do. Yeah. Um, I was just mono red and smashed people where they could do anything. But I don't think that's right for this format. So I don't think like any of my data matters. Yeah, I think that, I mean, again, core set, it's like prioritize your removal yeah. like probably more so than you do in in like a, another draft environment yeah. probably two colors combat yeah. tricks really basic stuff yep but the removal is really good in this format yeah the removal is really good right we have pacifism yep murder yep at common yep bone uh, splinters at common sleep paralysis which is four yep. mana but is still takes yep. care of a thing yep still hard removal um, just about yeah and then chandra's outrage mm-hmm and reduced to ash yep. are in shock. Yep. We also got rabid bite. Rabid bite. Yeah. So there's a ton of removal at common. Mm-hmm. So it lets you, right? If you hold onto it, it lets you answer bombs. Yep. There's also a good amount of death touch in the set, which is kind of pseudo removal. There's two one mana death touchers. Yeah. The the black uncommon, the vampire, and then uh, the scorpion. Yep. And then there's a feral abomination. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's. It, it, it kind of devolves to board stalls a lot. Yep. So, like, it's it's a card advantage format where you need to have some way to get ahead on cards to, like, right. break those board stalls yep. or deck yourself, one of the two. Yeah, one of the two. Loaming Shaman fixes that. It does. What what impressed, uh, impressed you? Well, this is going to be kind of an, the easy answer because all of the things that came to my mind when I posed this question were like rares and mythics which i guess is normal i'm primarily a constructed player anyway so when i go to pre-release a lot of what i'm looking for out of my pre-release experience is powerful interactions that i can build around yeah dread presence really impressed me um so for those who don't know see 
Yep, it's a, it? it's a three and a black for a three three nightmare, I believe, night creature type nightmare. And whenever a swamp enters the battlefield, you choose one. You can either do two damage to any target and gain two life, or you can draw a card and lose a life. Yeah, card is really good. Yeah. I was going back through and actually watching our 2020 video, and this card appeared zero in that video, and I don't know why. I, I don't know. Yeah, definitely should have talked about it. The card is really good. Uh, my third pool, I had two of these in it. The card was absolutely fantastic. It makes you want to top deck lands. Yeah. And if you listened to our last podcast, you heard us talk about a whole bunch of stuff that cared about lands. Uh, we talked Scapeshift a little bit. We talked about uh, Crack Zombies, Field of the Dead. And we talked about the Elvish Reclaimer. Um, and this kind of fits into that same strategy. Uh, so there was a Pleasant Kenobi video that was Crack Zombies plus Dread Presence, mm-hmm. Shun Scape Shift. Yep. Uh, I've played a Gates Scape Shift version mm-hmm. of the deck with, uh, so you play like the Gates payoff cards, mm-hmm. plus you play Golos and uh, Crack Zombies and Scape Shift. Mm-hmm. So you just late in the game, make like 14 zombies. Yep. So. And you said you really liked Golos? In limited, like I beat him once, but like when I resolved him, every time I resolved him, I always had the mana to activate him the next turn. Yeah, or had all the colors at least. Mm-hmm. And just like in limited, just being able to like pay seven yeah. and like draw three cards and cast them without paying their mana cost is yeah. pretty insane. Yeah, uh, I was doing it in standard. That was the 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 gates deck and the problem i think the problem there was the things you were hitting weren't powerful enough yeah they didn't matter enough which is weird yeah i don't know if you can build a golos deck in standard that you have enough hits okay that everything matters so do you think like a gate centered scape shift deck is powerful enough without golos like if you're just running uh the rams and the uh, gates of blazes i didn't and... try the the ram so it had like gates of blaze and i think vtcla put it out but it was gates of blaze and then a couple angels mm-hmm. guild summit it played like some little teferis mm-hmm. and then golos and then field of ruin and then a bunch of different lands and like golos was not great like maybe just yeah. gatebreaker ram so you just have a big beater early in the game mm-hmm. is good enough so then you have down here the Cavaliers in yep. the rare color, color, color cycle. Yep. They're all pretty much unbeatable and limited. Um, if you pretty open much. one, play it. Yeah, I think that I had an opponent that, I had two opponents actually, that forgot that the uh, the blue one, what, mm. is, what is it called? The blue sphinx? sphinx? Uh, yeah, Art- Artemisis or something. Yeah, whatever. Had text beyond being a four or five that you showed your hand. Like, yeah. don't forget to like pay two in a blue and activate at the end of your opponent's turn to draw two and discard one. Yeah. Because I would have lost games to that if my opponents would have activated them. Yeah. But that one's probably the most beatable. Yeah. Just because like there's more removal that deals with it. Like reduced to uh, reduced to ash yeah. kills it. And like it's just a little bit smaller. It's a four or five. Yeah. So the angel is unbeatable. If they untap with it, you die. Yep. Uh, I made that mistake. I missed the part where it said it had lifelink. I thought it was just a big flyer. And I swung in with two pump spells thinking it was Xaxes and promptly lost. Yeah, I uh, lost three out of four uh, games of Arena Sealed to that card. Yep. Like, just one word after another. I was like, I, I can't ever get away from this. Yeah. Stepdad. Stepdad, real good. Yep, he's great. I lost a few uh, games to him. Yep. The uh, The big dragon is ridiculous yeah they swing and wipe your board it's insane yeah the hydra 
is pretty good. It's probably. I think it's probably the worst. The worst one, other than the Sphinx. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the second worst one. Yeah, because like it makes you like makes removal really bad. Well, it makes a removal spell bad. Yes, it's you're always going to eat something right for when they target it to kill it yeah like you're gonna get one thing you're gonna get a two for one yeah but it doesn't trample and we had just said a little while ago there's a bunch of death touch at common yeah it's not great i i'd much rather the uh green green x hydra that lets you fight or double the counters yeah now i've listened to lr and they're like well you're always just gonna double the counters and i don't think i doubled the counters once yeah I always just played it and fought something. Ate something, yeah. Yeah, and I had opponents that would double the counters. I'm like, kill it, pacifism or yeah. or murder it. And I was like, you didn't get any value out of it. Right. Like, you didn't two for one me. Yeah. So I always just tried to two for one people with it. And still, like, a five six trampler is good enough. Yeah, usually. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be like unless they're like exactly at nine. Yep. Right. You don't need a. You don't need to have a, a 10, 11. Yep. A 5, 6 at like 8, a blocker is good enough. Yep. And then like all of the Cavaliers are great. Like they're, they're all absolutely good enough to play, good enough to put you in a color. Yeah. They, in limited. I think the red one has like the weirdest combination of abilities and yeah. does the least. Yeah, but like even if you play the red one though, you're go- at some point in the game you're going to find use for like one of the things it does. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's just, what is it, a 6-6 six, six or a... Five six yeah big it's big yeah it is just a big creature that like maybe gets to draw you like a card or two when you yep. uh, have like bad cards in your or hand. pump your team or something yeah apparently in standard uh, the Thorn Cavalier is like all the all the rage right now yep we we will see I yep. still stand beside like I don't know yeah I don't think I'm wrong we'll see we'll see We're gonna I, I still really like the black one I think the black one's great. Yeah, you were uh, playing the green-black Motor Hulk deck when I came over here. Yep, and resolved the black one and one. Yeah. Yep. We didn't resolve it. You bled for bones. That, that's you got true. It, you got it for yeah. effectively free. Yeah. Yep, and then one shortly after. Now, you have that you were impressed by the blue ley line. I was. I have a different opinion. Well, I, I mean, I got blown out by the blue ley line. Like, I could. It's, it makes it impossible to do combat math. I, I played against it. In one match, maybe two. One match for sure. Mm-hmm. It may have been that my opponent kind of didn't have a good deck for it or didn't like put together yeah. a good deck. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing. It has to be in the right deck. It has to be like a tempo-y, like blue-black, blue-white kind of deck where yeah. you're, you always have something to do. So, like, your opponent passes with a ley line out, and you don't know whether they're going to kill your guy, whether they're going to cast a creature, whether they just want to draw some cards, whether they're going to counter your spell. You have absolutely no idea. And you can't, like, swing in because you don't know what they're going to play. It, it just made it made everything super awkward. Yeah, I was in, I had, like, I think that pool, I had, like, two murders and a disfigure. I just yeah. attacked. I was like, go ahead, kill it before blocks. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. But yeah, my opponent didn't have the the best deck for it. I don't think. Yeah. So my my uh, experience might be a little skewed. Yeah, I lost two games to it. Like straight up, I lost. That was the card that I lost to. So I have a common that impressed me. Okay. Destructive digger. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That card is ridiculous. Yeah. So it's, so it's a three and a red, two, two and, and a red, red, two and a red for a three two. Mm-hmm. And you can pay three and tap it and sacrifice an artifact or a land yep. to draw a card. Yeah, it just lets you not flood out late in the game. Yep. Like, it was a card that I wanted to have in all my pools that could cast it. Yep. Yeah, I was really, really impressed by it. Yep. It's really good with the wand. Yeah. Yeah, the three mana, pay three, tap, deal one. Yep. And if it leaves the battlefield, deal five. Yep. 
I kind of like the wand anyway. And then, like, with him, it's just kind of a an extra bonus. Yeah, I sideboarded the wand in a couple times against, like, blue-white flyers-type decks because yeah. typically they have low toughness. Yep. And like, getting to kill, like, a loyal Pegasus. Yeah. And then I had an opponent who had a Metropolis Sprite. Mm-hmm. And I had the wand out, and they could never give it plus one, minus one. Right. So it would just Otherwise kill it'd die. It. So that probably bought me an extra, like, six turns from taking one as opposed yeah. to taking two each turn. Yep. And I was able to, like, win the game just on, like, threat of activation on the wand and then end of turn ping you for one. Yeah, I uh, I main decked the wand in a couple couple of my pre-releases and was pretty impressed with it. Yeah. It does enough. There's enough creatures that have, like, uneven power and toughness. They're, like, a 2-3 or, like, a 3-4 or whatever yeah. where, like, you swing in and, like, you're going to trade or whatever, but you can't because the creature you're attacking has a bigger butt and the wand just makes everything even. And you can leave mana up and then, like, ping your opponent if your opponent doesn't do anything you want to interact with or whatever. I guess we'll talk about this now because this card was impressive. Okay. And that's Scholar of the Ages. Oh, yeah. So is this 5 blue-blue? Yep. For a 3-3? Three, three. Yep. Not impressive so far. No. That's 7 mana for a 3-3. Three, three. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, return up to two target instants or sorceries from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, so what were you uh, returning from your graveyard to your hand with this card? So I assembled the hardlock uh, Flood of Tears. Yeah. Plus this. Yeah. So you, if you have four permanents out, Flood of Tears is four blue-blue. Sorcery, everyone returns all their permanents to their hand. Mm-hmm. And if you return four permanents, you can play something from your a permanent from your hand. Yeah. So I would Flood of Tears play the scholar mm-hmm. get back a removal spell and flood of tears yep and then the next turn play my stuff again right maybe a turn later remove one of your creatures bounce everything yep. rebuy everything that also works with a uh, blood for bones yep you can i did that on arena where i just started looping scholar mm-hmm. with blood for bones and yeah. so it's like four mana return it you would sack scholar mm-hmm. return scholar bring a creature from your graveyard to your hand because of blood for bones yep. and then put blood for bones plus a spell into your hand yeah so it was like four mana draw three yeah it's great it's great yeah so you can just kind of cut you like i had that and could cobble get together so i had a soul salvage and a grave digger yep so like i could just always find all the pieces yeah the deck was insane you ground me to dust yeah it was pretty all right yeah it also had a soren that i got to like yeah soren people with i ended a couple games at like 50 or 60 life yeah with like four cards in your library. Yeah. 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 I had another deck that I came close to decking myself and I played the whole game to draw my Loaming Shaman. Yeah. And then resolved it and like just shuffled like nine spells back into my library. I was like, mm-hmm. all right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> like you're going to run out before I do. That was probably the funnest deck I've had. Yep. So what didn't impress you? Reggie? Yeah, R- riding Regisaur. Yeah. Um, I had it in one of my pools. Um, it was a really good pool. Uh, actually, I think it was my first one. I was almost mono green. I was like th- four cards short of being mono green, I think. And uh, black was my second best color, so I splashed a couple black cards, Reggie being one of them. And every single time I cast it, it either ate a pacifism or a uh, sleep paralysis. Yeah. And just sat there and made me discard my hand every game. Now, there are some people that you talked to that had the experience of their opponent slammed it on turn three and they didn't have an answer and they just died. Yeah. But I feel like the answer is, like, a creature. Like, yeah. you're still trading one for one until they run out of cards. Right. And hopefully in that point you have some removal. But if, you have a, if you're, like, blue-green. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that card just runs you over because, like, you don't have a... Other than a, if you have a sleep paralysis. Right. That's the only answer you have in your deck. Mm-hmm. 
or if you're like red green yeah right you have no way to kill it right so you gotta hope that you have the green death toucher or like you can throw enough bodies in front of her you have like a bunch of ferocious pups and you keep throwing like Mm -hmm. O1s in front of it yeah but yeah it is a high uh, liability yeah oh I forgot another card that was that was impressive. Okay, what's that? Locks it on Life Chanter. Oh yeah, that card is ridiculous. I just lost to it. It was just the abyss. Yeah, so it's a five and a white. Five and a white for a four six. Four six. And when it comes into play, your life total can become the total toughness of creatures you control. Mm-hmm. So it's a may ability. It doesn't have to. Yeah, and then I think the activated ability is four and a white or is it five and a white mm, it's, I don't a, it's a lot yeah and it gets plus x plus x where x is your life total mm-hmm. so i had like one game where they top decked it and i had no creatures they had no creatures they played it i top decked the land and they hit me for like 20 yeah Ouch. i was like huh all right then so it was really good I'm trying to think of anything that like like so i wasn't impressed by the ley line yeah uh i thought it was like whatever red ley lines garbage oh yeah so bad so yep. bad like stone unplayable I think all the ley lines, it, like I said, in my opinion, the blue one beat me, like, hands down a couple games. I lost to Leyline of Abundance. Like, if the game okay. goes late, like, you just can't really beat the it. The eight mana activated ability where it puts a counter and everything's worth yeah. it. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, in limited, like, you get a board stall, and if every turn mm-hmm. you just get to, like, make your things a little bit bigger. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, they're real, there's two mana dorks, and, like, neither one of them's great. I mean, the O the O three is fine. But it's definitely better than the cat, but... Yeah. Another impressive card. This is a constructed one. Mm-hmm. Risen Reef. Yeah. Like, I think I got that in two paper pools and, like, two online field pools. Yeah, I haven't seen one yet. Play it and play as many elementals as you can. Yeah. Like, that just puts you in team or elementals and right. just, like, make that work. Yep. Because card is nuts. Yeah. So it's, it's ramp. It's card advantage. So it's one blue-green for a 1-1. One, one. Yep. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top card of your library. Mm-hmm. If it's a land, you may put it on the battlefield. Yep. And if not, put it in your put hand. Put it in your hand. Yep. You don't have to reveal it. You don't actually draw it. Yeah. It's a mystic snake. Or not mystic snake. Coil and Oracle. Oracle. Yeah. But then any other elemental that comes into play, you yeah. do the same thing. Yep. So if you go like turn three. Um, Risen Reef. Risen Reef. And then your turn four is the O3, the Leafkin mm-hmm. Shaman or Druid or whatever. You get to draw a card. And then you play like the, the Chandra's. Yeah. Uh, Ember Cat. Ember Cat. You get to draw a card or ramp yourself. Yeah. Like, it's great. they're so far behind at that point. Yep. You just won. Yeah. Or, God forbid, you play the uncommon uh, three and a red elemental makes two elementals when it comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you just draw three cards. Sure. Yeah. You're you're done. You yep. win. Bonkers. Yeah. But there's like the, the immolation mask mm-hmm. makes an elemental. Like, yeah. it goes with that really well. Yeah, that card was better than you thought it was. I talked you into putting it in that sealed pool. I actually uh, won a couple games because, like, my opponent played, like, a Flyers deck, and I just, like, picked stuff off. Yeah. The board got stalled. My opponent had a Dungeon Geist, Mm -hmm. and I just proceeded to sack three creatures to kill a Dungeon Geist. Mm -hmm. The creature deals the damage, not the mask. Right. So Death Touch creatures with the mask, you just get to two mana kill something yep uh you get a you basically have a repeatable bone, bone splinters if you have a mm-hmm. death touch creature so all of these things are are good yep not surprisingly all the planeswalkers are a plus yep i think the uh out of that cycle of like colored artifacts mm-hmm. i think the mask is probably the best 
I, I like the, the green one, the saddle. Oh, see, I really didn't like the saddle. I had it in one of my pools and wasn't impressed with I it. Like a 3-3 three, three that can't be blocked by more than one creature is fine. Yeah. And then, like, if you have... Put it on something big. If you have a gorilla. Yeah. Right, then the gorilla is just, like, this unstoppable force because yeah. like, they just have to double block it. Mm-hmm. And they can't. And they can't. So you just get to, like, bash in. Yeah. So that's why I, I, you just have a bunch of big, dumb green beaters. Mm-hmm. And then they just can't double block. Or, like, if you have the uh, Vorclaw... The 6-6? Six, mm-hmm. six, yeah. You throw it on there, it's a 7-7 seven, seven that they can't double block. It is a 7-7. Seven, seven. It's a 7-7 seven, seven to start yeah. with. There's an 8-8 eight, eight yeah. that they can't double block. It's yeah. big. It's a big thing, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, big thing. It's a big, big. Big <laughs> slash big. And so like, I thought that was good because it goes well with the rest of the green cards. Because yeah. you're just playing big, dumb idiots anyway. Mm-hmm. Anything else as far as uh, pre-release? I think that uh, something you pointed out that I do or am able to do that mm-hmm. you don't is like... I find like the goofy interactions. Yeah. Being able to do that, I think that comes from like listening to things and like picking up like things that people are talking about and constructed. Yeah. Like, like, oh, Flood of Tears plus Scholars. Like, oh, that's really good in yeah. like Flood of Tears plus Big Dumb Thing is good in constructed. Right. Oh, I've got my Big Dumb Thing. I can buy it back. Mm-hmm. So just trying to find those little yeah. niche interactions. Like, I think I saw we were. When you were preparing for the Modern Horizons draft, we yeah. read an article. We had the read an article on the seal for the sealed or the draft where it was like, you know, put together a normal pool, but look for the pocket synergies. Right. And just trying to find those two or three cards that work really well together that can like give you an advantage yeah. is really important. Mm-hmm. So like looking at your pool and not, and being like, oh, well, this card is a five out of 10 and this mm-hmm. card's a six out of 10. They're not terrible to play, but if I can get them together. Yeah. It's like a nine out of 10. Yeah. This or an is eight great. Out of 10, yeah, yeah. I'm not playing two embarrassing cards to like, right. I'm not playing like a one and a two to get to a five. Right. I'm playing like a five and a six to get to a nine or a 10. Yeah. Okay. That I want to, I want to try to do that. Mm-hmm. Trying to find those gives your pool a little bit more depth, depth and like you were able to do a little bit more. And it's surprising that there are yeah those kind of interactions in a core set. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, like the games you were playing against me, not only were you looping uh, Flood of Tears and uh, whatever that other big guy is, Mm -hmm. but in doing that, you were able to loop Soul Salvage Salvage and Grave Digger. So you could just play your entire graveyard every time you perform the loop. Yeah. It was disgusting. And you couldn't attack because you didn't want to trade with a Scholar. Yeah, and like I can't block it and kill it. Because, like, then you just do it all over again. Yeah. It's like a lose-lose situation. I, like, soul-salvaged it or something and brought it back. And then you thought that you had killed the grave, that you already dealt with the grave digger. Then you finally killed it again. Yeah. And I played the grave digger, and you're like, I can't. can't." (laughs) Yeah, you can't win. Right. So just finding those those interactions where you're like, if I can rebuy this or if I can do this or that. Yep. And, like, having, like, I had Symphony of Agonies. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Right. Like that was the win. That could be the win condition in the deck. Is like I want to loop. Yeah. Three, you gain three. Yeah. Loop three, you gain three, and like I had a way to win the game without having to do anything else. It was like this self-contained little right. thing. So just trying to find those little interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're definitely a lot better at picking them out of a pool than I am. Yeah, but like just like you know, if you can find like. You know, you might not say it all the time. I know I don't, but if you can just find this, look, like, I didn't think about like mask plus death touch creature until yeah. like much further in into my games, where I was like, "Huh, yeah, that's the creature deals the damage." All right, let's start. Let's pick off the eight seven hydra that I can't like right. hit with a spell. Yeah, I did it, and I was like, "Kill him." My opponent was like, "It." I was like, "The creature does the damage." Yeah, they were like, "Oh, <laughs> creature <laughs> has death touch." It's like, "Yes, yes, it does." Yeah, it did. Yeah. 
Or I think that Chris was like, well, what if I blade brand mm-hmm. and then sack the creature? It's like, yep. it has that touch. Yep, that works. It does the same thing. And you get the draw card. Yeah. You replace it. So yep. it's all good. So I think we uh, talked about the good and bad beats. Yep. Other than you uh, not drawing a, a swamp with your double dread presence with like half your deck being were you, swamps. Were you watching that game? I was watching it and then you also wrote it in the notes. Yeah. So. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I was playing like base black. I had 11 swamps in the deck. I only had two of them on the battlefield and like six islands. Like I found all of my islands and uh, had two dread presences on the board. There was a huge board stall. I obviously didn't want to trade my dread presences. So it's not like I have any good attacks and I needed to clear up this board stall. Like top decking a swamp would do it. I just top deck a swamp. It was like eight turns. Half of my remaining library is swamps. It was eight turns in a row before I found a swamp. But then you found a swamp, didn't you, like, win that game? Oh, yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah like, that turn I won that game. Yeah. Uh, rough, rough first world beats. I, it, I was, have... it was crazy, though. How often How often does that happen? Half of your deck is one card, and it takes you eight turns to find it? Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Like, kind of as a wrap-up. Like, mm-hmm. going forward, if you're going to play, like, Sealed on Arena, mm-hmm. which is, like, the super easiest place to play. And like we said the last time we did like an intro to a set video, doing seals is a great way to get product on your arena account. Yeah. Um, like before you start buying a bunch of packs because I, that way your packs turn into like gems and like other cards or whatever. I didn't end up tweeting it out, but I did. Again, I took like $50, basically 10,000 gems. Yeah. And did as many sealed pulls as I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, that number was 11. Okay. With a, you know, a super high win rate of like 30, uh, 55%. Ooh. Yeah, not great. But I did that. And so that works out to be 66 packs mm-hmm. for the seals plus 33 packs of prize support. Right. So I got 100 packs yeah. for 50 bucks. Right. Which is way better than the rate you get on Arena. Way better. Uh, from Grinding Gold, I opened another, I think, an even 100 packs or maybe 100. And, I think I ended up opening 140 total. Wow. Because I bought a, I bought a hundred packs, so yeah. I opened a hundred regular arena packs. Yeah. Plus the sixty six for the sealed, so right. I, I sorry, one hundred and forty. So I opened two hundred and six packs. Holy smokes. On arena for fifty bucks. That's crazy. Plus saving all of my gold from like, right. and I've been playing less. Yeah. So basically, that's just get my four wins every day. Mm-hmm. So every day you get a win. Every mm-hmm. day you get four wins. That's one pack. Yep. So if you get a win every day for a season, yep. or you get four wins every day for a season, yep. a season's almost 100 days, Right. you get 100 packs. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have everything, but I'm close. And yeah. when I got done with War, yeah. I was missing two Mythics, mm-hmm. two single cards right. from having a complete play set of all of War. That's crazy. For 50 bucks. Yeah, sounds like the way to do it. It's not too bad. I mean, if you got the 50 bucks to spend, yeah, you're going to play a lot anyway. All right, so... Let's talk about something that came up from the weekend that someone asked you. We're yeah. Gonna go, we're going to go super basic here. We're going to go back to basics. We're going to play two and a blue. Okay. Yep. Back to basics. Back here. to basics. So I was talking about one of my constructed pool or one of my sealed pools. And I had mentioned that it was, I forget what I even said it was. Grixis maybe. It was one of the color okay. combinations. And uh, the guy I was talking to didn't know like what the color combinations were. So I explained it all to him and I said, oh, you know, I bet you that's a good thing for the podcast. I bet you we've got, you know, some new listeners off of Arena that don't know where the color names came from or where the combination names came from. So back in the olden times, Mm -hmm. you just played like blue, black. Right. Or green, white. Right. You 
they didn't have fancy names. Right. And then the Ravnica block happened, the very first Ravnica yep, block. Yep, the first Ravnica block. First set was Ravnica City of Guilds, and the whole Ravnica block was about color pairs. There yep. was 10 color pairs. They each had their own identity, and that was kind of the first time that we got to give a name to color pairs. Yeah, so this is the same color pairs we just got out of the Guilds Allegiances War. Yep. They're the same color pairs. So they've lasted... City of Guilds came out in 2005, 2003, I think. Yeah, a long time ago. Yep. So that gave us the the names for the pairs. So yep. blue black is Demir. Yep. Uh, Selesnia is green white. Golgari, best mechanic ever in this set, by the way. Dredge. Dredge. Yeah. Golgari is green black. Yep. And uh, Boros was red white. And then the second uh, set of that block was Guild Pact. And we got Gruel is red green. Orzov is black white and is it is blue red yeah and then we had dissension which is the last set and you have azorius which is blue white rakdos which is uh, red black and simic which is blue green yep the reason we keep going back to ravnica Mm -hmm. is partly because people identify with the color pairs very much so the play style or what that color pair represents in the story Mm mm-hmm people identify with and gravitate to yeah you have people will ask you like you know like what color pair are you right or like you know what is your play style people will be like oh i'm a boros player like, right you know, like, i'm a i play red white aggressive decks right i know exactly what you say if you say yep. I, i'm boros yep or i play like green black i'm, I'm golgari i player. am absolutely golgari right and that's like grindy value maybe some graveyard stuff but yep. you're playing these long grindy games yep and so, like, people identify with that. And so every time we go back, mm-hmm. we get different cards, but all the cards fit into these identities that people have, like, People can relate to. to. Yep. Exactly. Um, so it's... Our friend Nick here in Myrtle Beach is definitely Demir. Yeah, we were in a Modern Horizons draft, and I opened Future Sight, mm-hmm. and I passed it to him. Yeah. Because I, I took a land, I took a, the Frosty Bastion or whatever, whatever yeah. it's called, right? And I just took red cards for the next, like, three picks. And at the end, he was hard blue-black. Yeah. And he was like, as long as you see a blue and black, we're going to be we're gonna be fine <laughs> drafting. And I was, like, red-green. Yeah. Yeah, He he's very much like he just wants to play blue and black all the time. He yep. like, wants to play fairies in modern. Yep. But, yeah, people identify with that play style mm-hmm. or something about the cards or the art for that guild. Yep. And so we just keep going back. Yeah, um, I actually think every time time we visited Ravnica Wizards has kind of played that up a little bit and done something with like either buttons that have like the guild like symbols on them or like something where people can say I am yes. rule or whatever you can identify yourself as, as this is what kind of player I am yep yeah and that and that gives you something to hold on to yep so we we had that and then mm-hmm. went to another plane yeah uh, a little few years later yeah a little while later it was the Alora block yep so we have the shards. Yep. The shards are three colors that are adjacent to one another. Yeah. So I think the easiest way to describe it non-visually is that if you pick a color, a shard is that color and its two neighbors. Yes. So it's that color and its two allies. So we have Bant. Yep. Which is white, green, and blue. Yep. So if you think about white... On one side you have green, and on the other side you have blue. Yep. And like white's what ties those two enemies together. Correct. Right. And then you have Esper. Yep. And uh, Esper is white, blue, and black. Mm-hmm. Again, if you look at I the guess back of would, a magic card. Yeah, if you look at the back of a magic card, 
and you see that blue, its two neighbors, are black and white. Yeah, again, it's blue is tying the two enemy colors together. Yep. Right, then you have Grixis, which is blue, black, and red. Mm-hmm. Jund, which is in capital letters for some reason. Why is Jund in capital letters? Why would we do this? Why would we uh, favor one color combination? Well, Jund is in capital letters because it's the best. What do you mean? Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Jund is black, green, and red. And like I said, it's the best. Yes. If you just say Jund, there is a particular deck or style of deck that yeah. just comes to mind. It's right. Just, in modern for years, you just said... Grindy value. I'm, I'm playing Jund. And yep. everyone knew, I don't know, 45 to 50 of the cards you were playing in your Probably deck. even more. Yeah. You were just like, oh, this person plays Jund. I yep. know exactly what they're playing. Yeah. Cool. They probably also know what kind of person you are also. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and then you have Naya, which is white, green, and red. Yep. So those were our shards. Yep. After that, we have the wedges, Yeah. which is a color and the two colors across from it. So it's a color and both of its enemies. Yeah. If you connect the dots on the back of a magic card, yep. you get a wedge-looking shape. You get yep. like a triangle. Yep. Took me a while to figure out where wedge came from. But, <laughs> That's where it came from. Um, These are like the newest naming convention. So before that, so we had the the guilds mm-hmm. in 2003-ish. Yeah, long, like 20 years ago. And then uh, the shards were 2000, probably 2008. Yeah, somewhere around there. So right. like 20 years ago. And then, uh, well, or 11, you know. Ele- yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, 11. Everything's 20 years ago. <laughs> Everything's like 20 years ago. And then 20 years ago, we had, uh, <laughs> we had cons. Yeah, or like four years ago. Uh, five years ago five yeah my five-year wedding anniversary is next week and cons came out right after i got married there so you go there you go That's, i'll always know when cons came out <laughs> um, close to your heart close to my heart and so before that we didn't have a way to name the wedges the wedges so sometimes you'll hear like older players refer to the wedges differently and we'll yeah. kind of go over those like as we talk about the yeah. wedges a little bit so we have abzan mm-hmm which is white, black, and green. Yep. So it's black, and then it's both the black's enemies. Yeah. And so that's referred to as like junk. It used to be, yeah. It yeah. Used it to be. used to be called junk before it was Abzan. Yep. And like the rock also kind of is black green as well. Well, the rock actually used to be Abzan. Okay. Like the rock was, the rock and junk were both two names for the same deck. And they were like an old legacy deck because it was one of the first like good stuff decks where it was just like a pile of good cards. Gotcha. Like these days, the rock typically refers to just a Golgari deck, just a black green deck. Yeah. Um, But they both used to refer to an Abzan deck. Yeah. And then we have Jeskai. Yep. Which is uh, white, blue, and red. Yep. I don't think there ever really was like an alternate naming convention for this. You you would hear like like America. Yeah, once in a while. But rarely. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in Europe, maybe it was French control. I don't know. Yeah, I have no uh, idea. Maybe. They have blue, white, They're and red British. flag. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever country you're in, they just called it that. Yeah. Uh, then you have Sultai, mm-hmm. uh, which is blue, black, and green. Yep. Also known as Bug. Yeah. Um, that one's easy. You just kind of rearrange the, the color abbreviations and you get Bug. Yeah. After that, we have Mardu which is white, black, and red. And this one, like, occasionally you'll hear, like, a really old 
like player talk about it as a Dega deck. I had never heard this. I'm like reading your definition of Dega, and I'm like, oh, I'm learning something right now. Yeah, once in a while you hear somebody refer to it as a Dega deck, but it's like really, really obscure. But there was a cycle of cards in Apocalypse that were wedge-colored. The card was single color, and then it had an activated ability of both of its enemies. Dega came from, I think the one, the one, there was only one popular card in this cycle, and it was like Dega Volver or something. Um, so people used to call Mardu Dega. Gotcha. Kind of a weird, obscure one. It's magic trivia for all magic your listeners. Trivia, there we go. <laughs> if you want to scare women away at bars. Yeah. Or if you're a woman, scare men away at bars, <laughs> whichever you, you feel like doing, you can you can bust that on on, on our first date. <laughs> They'll, the, like, uh, they'll de- they, they will delete Tinder on that date. They'll be like, well, I can never do this again. I got to go. Yeah, this was a mistake. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You said nerdy, but we didn't know how. We didn't know the depths. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then we have Teamer. Yep. Teamer is the, uh, the, last, the last color combination, I guess. And that is blue, red, green. Sometimes you'll ref- you'll hear it referred to as rug. In Legacy, Like there used to be a rug Delver deck. Yeah, which somehow recently won a legacy event playing yeah. unplayable nimble mongoose yeah i don't know how this happened but yeah so the only kind of color set that hasn't been officially named are the four color yeah quads i guess like the four color yeah things like not black yeah like not, not black. green yeah like is always like four color not black or yeah four, yeah there's a i forget what they're called there's a set of creatures uh, the Nephilim. Nephilim. Yep. N- yeah, Nephilims. And those are, the I think, the one of the few cards that just are all four colors. Yeah, they were really awkward names, though. So They were super awkward names, and they were all, for the most part, trash cards. Yeah, was it like Your Tiller Nephilim was one of them, I think? Yeah. Yeah, they were really awkward, and it's hard, it would be hard to describe a deck like, oh, yeah, you're, I'm playing uh, Your Tiller uh, Loam. Yeah, people are like, uh, sh- sure, weirdo. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so if you show up uh, from Arena and someone's like, "Hey, man, I'm playing this sweet Golgari deck," you yep. should know what you should know what's up from that because you've been playing. Yeah, hopefully you've been playing. But We're just coming like, out of Ravnica, so hopefully you knew those ones. Yeah, but, but if they're like, "Oh, hey, I'm playing uh, Mardu Control," you'd be like, "I know right. what that is." Or if you ever wondered where you know the popular control deck for this season was Esper, if you ever wondered where Esper came from, now you know. Came from hell. It's awful. <laughs> So we're going to cycle back to Arena. Okay. So new standard, hopefully new data. Yep. So I'm going to try to refresh the collection documents yeah. and get them back out in the wild. Yeah, we haven't uh, haven't put a whole lot of emphasis on this in a little while because the meta got really stale for a little while there. And also, like we don't always have time to play the number of games that we put in to collect all that data in the first place. Yeah, when I was doing it before, I think we mentioned on the podcast before, I was playing between 120 and 150 best of one games a week. Yeah, that's insane. That's, uh, that's, that's too not, much. It's not healthy. <laughs> it, it is not. So uh, we are not going to play that much arena anymore. So if you guys want like actual arena uh, metadata, you're going to have to chip in. Yeah, so like I said, I will tweet out and I'll put on Facebook. Basically what I have is right now it's kind of wide open. So mm-hmm. I'll just have Google Docs mm-hmm. or uh, Google Sheets actually that have that'll have like blanks for the deck names mm-hmm. and then as you see as you play against decks you can fill those in yep and hopefully we'll kind of coalesce around 
as I think there's like 10 to 15 deck name slots. Yeah, that are widely represented in the meta. Yeah, and so, you know, hopefully we can find uh, like 10 or so that we agree on mm-hmm. and then just fill in. Like the important part is what you played against. Right. So if you just track, like I played against, so there's a column for blue-green. Right. <clears throat> Sorry. There's a column for Simic. Yeah. A column for Simic Ramp. Yeah. Right? And now that can encompass a lot of things, but you're like, a hey, Simic Ramp... I played against that three times. Mm-hmm. Now, if you put in how many times you won, the document's all set up mm-hmm. that it will tell you what your win rate is yeah. against, like for your for your line. So if right. you go in and you play ten games, it will track how many games you won mm-hmm. and tell you your win percentage for that line. Yeah, and then also in the end builds all the win percentages for everyone right. that was playing that week. So you can see, like, oh, the casual tripod listeners. Yep. We had a 55% win weight rate for the week. Yep. We know what we're doing. Good job, guys. Good job. It's like, oh, 45%. Okay, we got to start playing. <laughs> Brian, stop playing trash and bringing yeah. down our uh, our win rate here. So that is something to, yeah. we'd like to get back to, but there has to be a balance because yeah. like, we can't just like Iron Man yeah. a million and games. And get all of the data for everybody. So if it's something that you guys feel is important to you, um, hop on and help us out once you have the sheet open it really doesn't take any time to do yeah you just got to kind of learn how to do it for the first time and then after that you're golden you can your all that data is raw open available to you as long as you are you know putting the data in there yeah you can check your own win rates you can go through and you know decide when it's time to change a deck if you see your win rate starting to plummet the sheet will tell you and you can go in and yeah, change decks like, oh, or whatever. On Monday, I was winning 60% of my games, and yeah. now it's Thursday, and I'm winning 30%. Yeah. And on Monday, I was 6-2 and two against Simic, mm-hmm. and now I've only played Simic once, and I'm 1-7 against... Whatever. Uh, whatever against Esper. Yeah. Oh, everyone's going to play Esper now. Yep. Maybe I need to play something else. Yep. So... It, it'll help make the experience a little bit better mm-hmm. if you're I haven't done this but if you're like using one of those like tracking softwares yeah at the end just take the numbers and dump them in mm-hmm. right you'll have an idea of what you played against from from just what what the tracking software says yep but what I do is uh I have Google uh, sheets the app on my phone mm-hmm. and I also have it on my iPad so I will sit with either my phone or my iPad yeah and as soon as a match starts and I recognize the deck, You'll put it in. I go and I put in like that I played against it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I'll put in my result. Right. So there was a time where I was the only person putting any information in the sheet. Yeah. So I got to know my exact win rate, how it changed <laughs> every time. And also it's it's there for you. You, know, you could also copy the sheet, mm-hmm. track your own stuff so you would know your exact win rate. Right. You could do it for over a season as opposed to over a week. Yeah. But then you put in your line. And then at the end, just like copy the line and then paste it into our document. Yep. Right. Because you can just use our document yourself and just like it would take an extra two seconds to dump it in. Yeah. And that way we can kind of get an idea of what everyone's playing. Mm -hmm. Because it's one thing to see like a Star City metagame. Right. Or to see a a GP metagame breakdown. Yeah. But arena is different. Like we've already established that the arena is way different than it is in paper. And it also changes by level. So if you're... So if James and I are in gold this week, right? And okay, our meta game looks like this, mm-hmm. right? You're gonna have an idea of what you need to play in gold, right? But if you're in silver, like what people are playing in gold, probably doesn't matter a whole lot to you. Yeah, but when you get there, it might. Yeah. Right. So we can like you know cover the whole range mm-hmm. and put something together. Yep. 
But uh, the important thing is we need help. We do. And uh, if we don't get a little bit of help, we're probably going to relax on the data collection a little bit. And focus just more on kind of like general impression. Yeah. We're not going to stop talking about Arena, but without the data to back it up, we're just going to be kind of telling you, you know, what we've seen. Like I said, I play typically, I've been playing to get four to six wins a day. Yeah. If I have more time, I'll play a little bit more. But that's not enough for me to say like, oh, well, the best of three meta game is blah, 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 blah. And also, right, I was playing best of one. Mm-hmm. So if I play 150 games of best of three, right. I might only get 50 matches. So I'm yeah. getting a, th- I'm getting half to a third of the data right. for the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I need two to three or eight more of you <laughs> to help me. Because, you know, if we consistently got, you know, five or 600 games oh yeah you'd be able to nail it right? nail the meta like on the nose we'd be able to really put it together yeah it would just be a point of making sure that we were like clearly breaking out the decks we were playing mm-hmm. uh which usually takes like a week or two to, to sort out yeah and we're also getting like 150 downloads or whatever yeah. like per episode like yeah i just need a couple of you yeah like 80 80 you guys could probably help us out here we, yeah. we really appreciate yeah, it yeah we can you know, we could, you know, we could corner the market. Like, arena, the arena decklist people could just be tweeting out decks that, like, make Mythic. Right. And then we could be tweeting out, hey. Actual numbers. Here's what the metagame looks like. Yeah. And I know that when I made Mythic the second time, mm-hmm. I was playing other stuff and I switched back to Gruul mm-hmm. and, like, made changes in the deck based on what our metagame percentages right. were because they're like oh it's like this much esper so i have to put in these switch out these four cards for these four cards because yeah. they're better against espers like i can't play crawl harpooner right i have to play thorn lieutenant yep because it doesn't get cried right okay and that data will let you make those decisions mm-hmm. like oh man i feel like i'm playing against a bunch of reanimator right but if you see that like oh no actually you just drew the short straw that week and you played the five games against reanimator yeah maybe you don't need to change your deck right right but if you see like oh no i'm right 30 percent of the the metagame in gold is blue black reanimator maybe you put some graph diggers cages in your deck or ley lines or or ley lines yeah right so it's gonna it would be useful for you yep so, so what do you think about Arena? Like, what have, what have you seen? I've seen the... I've seen a bunch of sweet stuff. Yeah, the I've seen a lot of Risen Reef. Yeah. Just a lot of that. Like, I've played a mix of, like, I've played some Unranked today because I'm, like, trying to figure out Boros Feather mm-hmm. with the new cards with... I think he's a listener. I think Jesse listens. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, he better. He was he Facebook messaged me. He's like, what do you think about the deck? I need help with sideboarding. So I built a version of the deck and was playing it today to just get a feel for it and best of one before yeah. I start. Like, I kind of have a sideboard plan, but I need to, like, figure out a few, the last few cards. Mm-hmm. But, like, I played, like, the blue-green Omniscience deck and played against that yeah. a little bit uh, in, in ranked. And uh, if that's where we're going, like, good luck, everyone. Like, that's... <laughs> It's just like, it's so weird because you're like just trying to go bigger and bigger. Yeah. And then you like on turn seven, you like bounce all the permanents, play omniscience and then have an infinite loop. Yeah. I'm the biggest. Yeah. It's like, I, I play the 10 mana thing. I win now. Right. Yeah. And with Risen Reef, sometimes you just get to cast it. Mm-hmm. Like I had games where I was like, I can just cast this Risen Reef. <laughs> I was playing Bant so I could play Little Teferi. Okay. To like buy me time. Mm-hmm. Like Little Teferi, Narset and Tamiyo mm. to be my permanence and then just like pick them all up. 
play the thing, win the game. Put them all back down. Put them all back down. And then I played against that blue-black reanimator, like, oh, what is it? Knowledge something, the one blue-black, one three lifelink death touch guy. Oh, the Tomebound Lich? Tomebound Lich. Yep. It comes into play, lets you loot. Yep. And then be- is a body for uh, a Blood for Bones. Yep. Same with, like, Citrus Supplier. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to put in Stepdad or Dragon. Yep. Or is there something else? Stepdad or Dragon, basically. Yeah. Poor, was it not Galta? Zakama's like, what the heck? What do I have to do to get put into play? Um, be in reanimator colors. The dragon's not? Well, right, but the dragon doesn't have activated abilities. <laughs> I don't care. Dra- nine, nine dinosaurs, like, what? come on now. Let me, let me have some fun. Yeah, so there's that. You've been playing the Molder Hulk deck? Uh, yeah, I really like that list. It's um, And it's really similar to... Like what you would already have if you had bought like the black green challenger deck. Um, a lot of the cards cross over. Yeah, I think it's very similar to like our when we're like we don't know what to do with this. So here's yeah. like this graveyard centric undergrowth deck. Yeah, it it has that. Yep. So I think the biggest change you made from like there was a list that was floating around online. Yeah, like chupacabras. Yeah, they had chupacabras. Cavaliers. In it. Yeah, and I really like the black cavaliers. Yeah. It, um. It actually, in my shopping cart right now, I have some black cavaliers that I'm. Going to pre-order because the cards impressed me. Gotcha. I think that, again, like most standards, the first week is going to kind of set them at a game. Mm-hmm. And again, it might be a week for like mono red. Yeah. Just because if people are like... I have seen like the last two days, I have seen an uptick in mono red. I didn't see mono red at all last week. Yeah. And then like the last two days, I've run into it yeah, a little I've bit more. Yeah, I've seen a little bit more. But yeah, like if people are like ramping and playing Risen Reefs. Yep. Like if they play a Risen Reef and then you play like a Chain Whirler and you eat the Risen Reef. Ha! <laughs> yeah, you're you're doing all right. Yep. And like, yeah, they're trying to get the six or seven mana and you just like dead them. Yep. So that Makes is, their yeah. omniscience look silly. Yeah, yeah. I, I drew a ten mana card. I guess I died now. Yeah, uh, I so drew five one mana cards. <laughs> I guess I win now. Yeah, so it might be a, a week to get under people because people are trying to do a bunch of like crazy sweet stuff right now. Yep. Or you could do crazy sweet stuff. I'm doing crazy sweet stuff. Yeah, I mean, but sometimes you get to play like a six six on turn four or turn three for it's two It's awesome. Mana. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I never had that that luck. <laughs> the game you were watching had a turn three six six. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much everything that we wanted to cover today. Yep, I think so. Again, reach out to us both uh, through the the magic of Google Sheets yep. for arena data. Yep. And Give us some arena data. Through the magic of uh, the Twitters at Casual Tripod. Uh, also Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. And email us at show at CasualTryhardMTG.com. So I will update the sheet and tweet and Facebook it out. Yep. I think that instead of we were kind of split between best of three and best of one, mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to focus on best of three. Okay. Because that seems like what most people on Arena are playing. Like at least you think the, people have moved away from best of one for the most part. At least the like Arena decklist crowd. Okay. Uh, like almost all those lists now are like best of three. Okay. Let's uh, let's ask our listeners. Yeah. So yeah, which would you prefer? Yeah. So do you want best of three data or do you want best of one data? Can, or just tell us what you play and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Do you play mostly best of three or mostly best of one? I play mostly best of three because I get sick of getting hosed. Yeah. So now I get to like cyborg. Yep. Because like playing feather and you play against Esper and like best of one. Yeah. 
and you like draw like three reckless rages and you're like, oh, <laughs> these cards have no text. I, uh, I've been playing best of one until I find a deck I like and then I switch over. Yeah, I, I play best of one to get a feel for yeah. a deck. Like, oh, I, I don't want to like play ranked. Yeah. I'm just going to like, I just want to see if the deck functions as I haven't mm-hmm. built. Like, I don't want to just play unranked games. So usually I'll play ranked best of one until I figure out like whatever I want to actually play and then I'll switch over to best of three. Fair enough. With that, I think we're done here, right? Yep, I think we're all set. We'll catch you at FNM. <laughs>